1: Hey there. Welcome to Landon Wall and Witty on the road to Qatar. I'm Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining us. We've got reaction from Landon Donovan, Chris Whittingham, and me in person together for the first time here in Mexico City to the U.S. men's national team's nil-nil tie with Mexico on World Cup qualifying match day 12. It's nice to be here in person with y'all.
2: It's a little weird, but it's nice.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's... um. I I it's it's bizarre that like we wouldn't do this in the United States like it would be in Mexico that we would decide to meet up but yeah it's, that's it's, a good
2: point it's, actually it's, it's
3: great to look at each other in the eye and I have an actual human conversation that doesn't require like me raising a finger. No, <laughs> yeah. uh, no, Landon, you go, you go. Like we can actually talk
1: like people. Oh, I'm going to raise plenty of fingers <laughs> in this in this conversation. Witty
2: was raising some fingers during the match. <laughs> no, that is yeah. for sure.
1: I, yeah. The reports were, Chris, that you mm. were a little angst-ridden during
2: the. I game. believe the word was enraged.
3: Yeah, I was fuming at halftime when when Christopher didn't score that goal yeah no I I a lot of my colleagues at Metal Ark media and Landon got to see me be a fan tonight and it's just I I I become a different person for the two hours of watching the team in person especially because like we we talk so much in the buildup about what this meant in terms of it being the last big USA Mexico. World Cup qualifier, because of the nature of World Cup qualifying changing, and because of the nature of the rivalry changing, this kind of felt like the end of an era. And so you come out hoping to see the U.S. nick a goal, they create the chance that allows them to, well, two chances, two two chances allow them to, and they don't score either of them. So it's just like, it wasn't really upset towards the U.S. because they're still in a good position at the end of the night. It's almost like a, oh, this, it was there. That ballistic moment. The political moment was there and, it, and he didn't seize it.
1: So before we go any further, Landon, was this, what was this like for you <laughs> being a spectator at yeah. a U.S.-Mexico World Cup qualifier in the Azteca?
2: It was more emotional than I thought it would be. Um, one, just being able to watch your country play in person and on foreign soil was really interesting um with the stakes as high as they were but then just seeing the stadium from a different vantage point was just it just it was kind of bizarre um but really exciting too and i was able to i think just soak in everything and enjoy it but i'm like emotionally now i'm exhausted from the game from the experience all of it but it was really fun
1: and what's our feeling here are we more bummed out that the U.S. didn't make history by winning the first-ever World Cup qualifier at Mexico? Or are we, it's a point, it's potentially very useful. If the U.S. gets three points on Sunday against Panama, almost certainly going to qualify for the World Cup.
3: I think if not for the fact that Honduras got a point earlier tonight against Panama as well, then I think this might feel a little bit different. But now the job is very clear. Beat Panama on Sunday, and you don't really need anything out of Costa Rica to at least get to the playoff, but almost certainly to qualify automatically as well because of goal difference. That result elsewhere allows you to just have a sense of calm now going forward, and so you know, you aren't so angst-ridden about DeAndre Yedlin being suspended, about Tim Weah being suspended, about all the injuries, about all the exhaustion that we saw on the field tonight, and then the players have to go out 72 hours from now and play a game against Panama. Now, I presume their players are tired, too. They must have given a lot in trying to get a late goal against Honduras. I will admit I did not watch that game, but it, the the results elsewhere and the position that the U.S. find themselves in allow you to be like, okay, good point at the Azteca. It was worth playing all the starters, giving it a go, and trying to press them early. I was surprised at how aggressive their posture was early in the game. But it was, it it was the, the results allow you to feel good about what happened tonight.
2: For me, it was both. So it was a great result and a great performance. Um, you know, Mexico had more of the ball and dictated the game a little bit more. The U.S. were very direct didn't really want to have possession and and maintain possession for long stretches. They were pretty vertical, but they created the bigger chances. So good result, good performance, but also disappointed because it was a huge opportunity lost to to win a game at Azteca. Now, in the long run, I don't don't think it's going to hurt the U.S. by not winning. It's not going to hurt us by not winning the game as far as getting to Qatar. um, Or hopefully you know, given a good result on Sunday, but it was an opportunity loss because Mexico were there for the taking. I, I just, watching Mexico live, they are, they're just not, They're just not as good as teams in the past. They're not. You can talk about Tata. You can talk about maybe they're in a bad run of
1: form. Blah. blah. They're just not as good. Their players are not as good. They have good players, but not like they were in the past. That was one of my post-game quotes or things. My thing I wrote at the final whistle was this Mexico is not very good. They're They're probably going to qualify for the World Cup. They're old. Much, much older than the United States and Canada and the World Cup itself is a very, very much a young person's tournament, I think, because so much is required of you. I would much rather be the US or Canada going into the World Cup with a younger team than I would Mexico. Are you not surprised by that though? Because. I, I still look at names on a sheet and I'm impressed
3: by their front three. Chucky Lozano, Tecatito Corona, Raúl Jiménez, all playing at European level. Ace Ace, albeit he's moving to Houston, but he's starting Champions League games for Atletico Madrid, who are who are in the quarterfinal. Edson Alvarez is an up and coming young player in midfield. And, you know, the rest of the squad is mostly players in Liga MX, but that's a higher level than the US domestic league at the moment, until that turns around. Like I'm I'm surprised that out of those parts there isn't more because i believe in tata martino as a coach on the domestic level we saw in 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 mls and at the international level but you're right i mean there's not a lot of threat there but i don't really
2: know why they don't have but they don't have difference makers like raul jimenez isn't he's not a difference maker chuka lozano is and Mm -hmm. for me he's the only one but if you look at the at our side of the field pulisic Reyna when he came in. Waya can pull off a play. Musa can make a special yep. play. Like, there are some real difference makers on our team. Weston when he's healthy, right? But Mexico just doesn't have that. You know what else stood out to me is when you watch it live, we are so much more athletic, just physically way better than hmm. the Mexican team, way more athletic. At every, I mean, Walker Zimmerman just climbing over everyone. He and Miles Robinson were excellent. Anthony Robinson, excellent. We were just physically... Jetta, my apologies. <laughs> we were just physically like way more dominant than they were.
3: To that point, like Walker Zimmerman for me is the player. Like, US fans might watch him on television and he might just seem like a center back. But then you watch him in person and like the way the the specific way that his body leaps into the air it's like it, it, it carries an imperiousness that i just don't see from your average defender like he is soaring above everyone and thunderously thumps the ball away like it like there's an aggression to the way that he's he wins like the, headers uh,
2: he's like he's like the top of the food chain he's yeah. just like and he goes and gets right. seriously it's he's so impressive he's the most
1: improved player on the us team over the past year he has to be Right. Or has he always been,
2: and we just didn't notice it?
1: Well,
3: I, mean, I, I think it, it, he, to me, is a case of so often judged for what he isn't for rather than what he is. And what he is is a very good defender. What he's not, and I think where the U.S. struggled at times tonight, in the times they do put themselves under pressure, is that I don't think any of that back four are above average at playing out of the back. That Yedlin, was the knock against Yedlin, him. the yeah. Robinsons, and Zimmerman. I don't think any of them are above average or playing out. So you have a goalkeeper who's trying to play out with them, but then getting it from back to front was a real challenge at times. And I thought that they were better trying to win second balls and trying to play more direct because that's the strength of the defenders. But I, I think Zimmerman is probably not in Europe right now because of his inability to play out. And no, I think, but he—I mean—he could play.
2: He could play anywhere in
3: Europe pretty
1: much at this I point. Mean, he's, I think he could. He's yeah. very. But good then why
2: player. isn't he? Maybe he doesn't want to.
1: That's fair. He was um, on my podcast a couple months ago and I asked him this question and he said, thanks for listening to the pod, guys.
2: I um, <laughs> um, must
1: have missed that one. <laughs> that he, he's interested in going to Europe. You know, he also realizes that he's not that young compared to guys in their late teens, early 20s. And so it would have to be the right situation. But that also decreases maybe some of the demand and for him. But I think once... People, you know, clubs in Europe have to be seeing these qualifiers. They will presumably watch the World Cup. And I think Walker Zimmerman is going to be a starter for the U.S. at the World Cup if he continues on this path. And this was a guy that was not even included on the October roster at first by Greg Berhalter because, like Chris says, he would he wasn't great in Berhalter's eyes at playing out at the back. Uh, he's worked at it. He's gotten better. And I, I will die on this hill. Walker Zimmerman will be the breakout mainstream media star of the World Cup for the United States. Presuming they make it. Presuming they make it. <laughs> Why are you doing this? We're man? making it. Will we're you stop we're it? not there yet. Oh, oh, look, uh, we're heading
3: Jesus. towards Sunday. Panama's tired. We're tired. I say we I shouldn't say we were we objectively covered the <laughs> no, United we're, States men's national. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 right. Well, exactly. Yeah, we're, we're tired. tired and the United States men's national team are tired. We don't know what Sunday is going to look like cuz Panama can summon and like they yeah. bring intensity to all of the games that they play. Like I don't I'm not assuming that game is going to be easy. So the job's not done yet. We took a positive step tonight with getting a draw at Azteca and Panama dropping points, but the job's not done yet. We should never again take that for granted, but you're right. I think like U.S. fans, I think have so often clamor for like, can I just have two center backs that I trust? And it's really been, we were talking today about the 2010 uh, Algeria game and we we're talking about the defense and trying to, and you think of like Bocanegra and Demerit, like those are incredibly steady center backs. And you think about the winding journey the U.S. has been on to try and find guys that are that steady and solid. And I think John Brooks is not here because he's not steady and solid in the same way. Mm. He's, he's, I think, wow. has a higher ceiling and brings up that level of that technical ability of playing out. But uh, I, I think if you look at the center backs, Zimmerman and Brooks, in theory, are kind of a perfect combo in that respect.
2: Yeah, and I'll just I would just say as now in a, sitting in a coach's seat. Trust is built through consistency. Mm-hmm. And now between Walker and Miles, they have been consistent for a number of games together. And so why wouldn't you play them?
1: There were people who thought though, that Aaron Long might start in place of Miles Robinson tonight. And that was not the case. I thought Robinson and Zimmerman were fine tonight. They were They were. Effective. I thought they were great. You know, I had no issues with how, how they played. I thought defensively the US was good all over the field, but particularly in the back line. Um, I do want to ask about the Polisic miss chance because sitter, are we okay calling this a sitter? I am. No, by the way. I, wouldn't oh, I wouldn't call it a sitter. I wouldn't call really? it a sitter. Why?
2: Um, I don't know the exact definition. Maybe we can get into it, but a sitter is a sitter is you cannot miss, right? That play. I don't know. I don't follow the XG stuff like you do, witty, but <laughs> that's not a, that's not a hundred percent chance, right? It's probably eight out of 10 for Christian, maybe nine out of 10, but a sitter is like, I mean, P Fox was probably more of a sitter just cause he was closer. Mm. Right now. I believe that play was actually harder to pull off. Having been in that sit in both situations, that's bouncing to him. It's a little awkward. There's a defender on his back. Um, but for, I, I guess I would say for a player of Christian's quality, Probably leans more sitter, but the actual play, you wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a sitter.
1: There, there was a a similar play though, a similar chance for Pulisic in the League Cup final against Liverpool, very early in the game, mm. in on like goal and hits it right at the keeper. And I guess the only question I got for you, Landon, am I being too hard on Polisic if I'm saying my, like there's previous. There's priors now, recent ones. I don't think there's. In that situation.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's like a pattern, right? He's, I mean, he, he's very good. He's, he knows he should score there, right? And he should score. I'm not saying he shouldn't score. But scoring, I mean, the hardest thing to do in this sport is score a goal. And there's a reason why. And also, there's a damn good goalkeeper in, in net tonight, right? So, I don't. You know I don't know that you're being too hard on him he should have scored right at this level you expect a player of his quality to score and he knows, he's not he's not going to deny that and I'm sure he's frustrated by it but I to say that it was like this egregious miss I think would be inaccurate
1: I do use the phrase miss to sitter them and I, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here yeah. but like it's <laughs> someday we will
3: it's one of those things where if you're going to win this game at the Azteca, like, you has to score there. And like another, I remember uh, when Jurgen Klinsmann came in, he talked a lot about like, you know, like if you miss those sorts of chances in other countries, like you get talked to in the grocery store the next day. <laughs> and while I'm not, like, I'm not sure that that's healthy. Um, and like, I, I think fan culture has evolved from there. And I like, I don't, but those are the moments where in a world cup semifinal, if the U S don't win as a result, that's the moment that falls on top of you right like those are incredibly high stakes high pressure moments and you know i i'm, I'm talking to people for oh christian ballistic that's the player you're watching and that's the moment that he should be talking away like and and i, I it feels so like empty in a way cuz it's just like we all know that he should score he thinks he should score He didn't score. Like, what do you do other than say he should have scored? But those are the moments that are going to decide more important
2: games. No, you know what stood out to me is I can't remember. We've scored goals Mm -hmm. in Azteca, right? Michael Bradley's goal comes to mind immediately. Charlie Davies scored a great goal. I don't ever remember having two clear-cut chances against Mexico and Azteca like that. Even though we didn't score, I can't remember ever having one chance like that in all the years we've played here. It was crazy. That
3: was the feeling that I had at halftime was like, oh, the U.S. will not have a better chance to score than that. We're going to watch 45 minutes and maybe they scrape a goal. Maybe Kellen Acosta puts in a good set piece and there's a couple headers and you scramble the ball over the line. But a tap-in? Again, we can get into the nomenclature of what exactly that was. A really good chance to score. You just place it in the corner and you've scored. That... Does not happen away no. in Mexico, and and we've talked for several months about that doesn't happen away in Concacaf. If it's if that kind of chance happened in Panama, it'd be like oh my god, like eureka, you finally you know bi- you know put something together to score against a team like Panama. It, never mind against Mexico, like that's and then for P to have the same moment. I feel the I feel bad about the way that I'm saying that name. I feel like I'm I'm emphasizing the fuck at the end of there.
1: You were just on fire these days with <laughs> anatomically correct descriptions yeah. on, on television broadcast.
0: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality
1: I had said, I would written a column, like, all y'all should come to this game. It's going to be an epic bucket list type thing. This stadium here in Mexico City is tamer than it has ever been. And part of that's due to the COVID regulations. So they, were only, they limited it to 40,000, 50,000, I guess. It that, didn't I'm, seem like it was that many.
3: That Well, I mean, the lower bowl was packed, like, there, there were not very many empty seats, except in the section where we were, which is you know like not meant to be a packed section. But the actual seats, like that, there were a lot of people there. Now, didn't the, seem like it. Uh, well, it, it doesn't go up to the sky like w- the way that Landon and his cohorts talk about Azteca is. It's just people going up, and that that feeling is not there. So when you you're staring at thirty thousand, thirty five thousand empty seats. It doesn't. Re- it doesn't really look that intimidating. But the people that were there didn't really make that much of a noise. And it was funny while you were describing that, Grant. That like Landon, you were making faces like, "Oh, I'm sad that it's not the same." <laughs> when that obviously gives the U.S. an advantage, no. but but in, but like, there's like an experiential quality to USA Mexico that needs the Azteca to kind of be thumping.
2: They and I by they I mean whoever owns the stadium runs the stadium. They took away every advantage that. Azteca has. First of all, the the game was played at night, which is much much easier. I mean, it felt like it felt like you were in Southern California tonight. There was like you didn't feel any smog, you didn't feel any altitude. I mean, we weren't running, but like it was. It, they just took away every advantage. We walked into the stadium two hours before, hour and a half before, and they're like playing like YMCA and Billy Joel songs. And I'm like, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? In between, like. Stoppages, they're playing music. At halftime, they're playing, like American songs, there's, you know, they're they're having fans like hold their cell phone lighters up at halftime and doing something. I I felt like I was like like at an NBA game or something. It was bizarre. But like a bad
1: NBA game. Like Seriously. an NBA game in the 80s. Or
2: like a minor league baseball game. Yes. It was bizarre.
1: I kept waiting for the t-shirt cannon guy to come yeah, out totally. and start yeah. shooting into the crowd. Totally. But and like- so they've
2: done, and also like, they've done all these renovations on the stadium. So it's much more modern and it's great as a spectator, But it is not, it was not intimidating at all.
3: At all. It's not even just like that. The entire side of the field behind the benches is pure luxury boxes, club lounges, like areas that are highfalutin in nature. Like, it's not meant for, and again, this is probably a good thing, but for fans that throw projectiles towards the field. (laughs) And like, you don't need to build a moat and have a 15-foot fence to separate that section from the benches, right? Which again, are all the atmospheric things that give advantages.
1: There was a moment when Christian Pulisic went to take a corner kick and the contrast with 2009 Landon, when you went to take a corner kick and got pelted with everything under the sun... And no one stopped it. And Christian goes over there to take the corner kick and doesn't have to deal with anything. And, and it it took it's like a so wide...
3: long to take it too. It was like 45 seconds in that corner. I'm waiting for one beer to get thrown. It's Like he
2: was patronizing me.
3: <laughs> yes, he's like, exactly. Yeah, you like it? I looked over. Here. I looked over. I said to Landon, "Is like what? This is not what you did for corners." He's like,
1: "Must be nice. Must be nice." There's a famous old Roy Williams quote, the basketball coach from North Carolina, who called it a wine and cheese crowd Mm. that he disliked uh, in college basketball. I never thought the Azteca would become a wine and cheese crowd. It did though.
3: And like, I don't have the reference point. So like, I I don't know what it's like on a normal night, but from a personal standpoint, I'm a little bit let down, right? I'm a little bit let down that even though in some ways I'm part of the problem because I'm sat in the area where maybe rabid fans should be. um, But like, that wasn't what I was expecting. And also again, these things can happen, but you can still create an atmosphere. And the fans didn't. And like I don't know if it's like an apathy to, and like we we were talking in the build-up about how the Mexican fans feel about the team right now and how they're not totally convinced. They don't they kinda want Tata out. I didn't realize that they were chanting for Tata Martino to be sacked during the game. Um, but they were so I don't know if it's just like, a we're ready to be angry more than we're ready to get behind the team, but it's only really when they had threatening goal-scoring chances that you heard them at all. There were no songs and chants throughout the game. They did, they pulled out the Olays twice, and on like the second Olay, there's a ball that goes 30 yards awry out, out for a throw-in. Like it was, there was nothing to the crowd tonight. And my feeling when I was sat there was, is, oh, this is just kind of a normal game. Like, now the, the pitch at times actually I thought played a role. like there were big moments, including at the very end when I forget who was trying to clear the ball, lost their footing, and, it, and it, it results in a chance. But like it just seemed not like the away in CONCACAF tropes that we talk about. difficult playing service, difficult conditions, difficult stadium, loud stadium. None of those things were at play tonight. That was just a normal game that you could you could have played in the middle of Belgium. Not not in the most haunt the most vaunted ground that the U.S. normally travels to.
1: Did you get recognized in the stadium, man? I did, yeah. How'd that go?
2: Uh, well, it was it was respectful. In some cases, maybe a little over exuberant. <laughs> um, but for the most part, fine. Yeah. I mean, there was no. Uh, Certainly no animosity or, I mean, it kind of is a microcosm of the night. It was just like, it was not nasty. It was not ugly. (laughs) It was just like, everyone's just kind of like, Eh, we're just here, and it just didn't feel like a qualifier.
3: It yeah, and if if I can offer a description for your interactions with Mexico fans, it would be surprisingly kind. Huh. Yeah, like people, yeah. people were like, "Oh, you know, you crush us sometimes, but I still respect you." And it was like, "What?" I, like I was, I was stood near you, and I was like, kind of ready to like jump in and not. <laughs> what the hell am I gonna do? But like, just like I was concerned at how many people were mobbing you. But like, I think it was like kind of a almost like an Instagramification of the thing, where it's like, I'd rather get my Instagram here at the Azteca than be a part of a
1: raucous environment. That's a great point. So I don't want to get buried in scenarios here, Mm. but for this Panama game, because Panama dropped points at home tonight, if the U.S. ties even against Panama, Panama cannot catch the U.S. So that means that the U.S., is guaranteed with a tie of at least being in the intercontinental playoff for the World Cup. So that's there, but you obviously want to win the game. And if you win the game, then Panama cannot catch you, mm-hmm. obviously. And Costa Rica only could catch you if they win by a lot of goals against the U.S. on in the game in Costa Rica. And obviously Costa Rica has to win its next game as well. So a win may not guarantee qualification for the U.S. to the World Cup on Sunday, but it kind of de facto will as long as there's not some historic, awful loss at Costa Rica.
2: Correct. And I really hope that Costa Rica drop points in El Salvador and we win because there's nothing like qualifying at home. Mm. So I, I'm i trying to think back of all the qualifying we had. So... First one was home in Boston against Jamaica. And that was very soon after post nine eleven. Very soon after nine eleven,
1: The U.S. invaded Afghanistan that morning.
2: That's right. Um, I'm trying to remember 06. I can't remember. But I do remember 09. We were in Honduras. And that has a special meaning because you're on the road and there's only like 40 people there who want you to win and 40,000 who don't. But qualifying at home is so unique and so special. And actually, we... In 13, it was against Mexico, right? In yep. Columbus. Yeah. yeah, in Columbus, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's really special. So I just hope it works out in a way that we can qualify at home, in front of our fans. It's it's such a special feeling.
3: And the U.S. will know what the task is because – I was just going
2: to ask when the time is. Yeah,
3: so El Salvador, Costa Rica kicks off at uh, – I'm now on on, on mountain time because we're, we're two hours behind, but 5 p.m. Eastern – uh, and then the USA game kicks off at 7 p.m. Eastern. So, well, you'll have the result. You'll know the task. And I can only imagine the lift for the U.S. players if they know, go and win this game, and you qualify. I was and just going And, we get, say and that. we get to celebrate. There's a
2: mass, like, knowing that if you win and you're in, I, that is such a massive advantage. Any final thoughts? The striker situation. So, Ricardo Pepe plays
3: for 60 minutes. Jordan Pifak comes on, and neither of them really did much. And I'm just concerned now that it's not necessarily about the individuals, although the individuals, you know, Ricardo Pepe hasn't scored a goal in five months. Anywhere. Right, exactly. Uh, and that move oh, to Germany. maybe in practice. <laughs> but, you know, the move to Germany does not appear to have worked out in the short term for him. And then any of the other choices. And I'm starting to wonder if it's like a – you know, Jordan P is the top scorer in the Swiss League. Maybe the Swiss League is terrible and that's a bad data point, but is there something systemically about not even the fact that the, the, the players haven't scored, but P has a really good chance tonight, but they don't routinely get involved. Never mind, oh, there's a slew of goal scoring chances that these guys are missing. There's not even an involvement there that I'm starting to wonder systemically what the issue is there.
2: Yeah, the the Yeah, that's a good point. Um like I said earlier, we were really direct and vertical tonight, much more than I can remember US teams, especially Berhalter teams playing, and maybe that was just part of the plan. But it it meant that they were v- very often just not involved in the in the game at all. And I'm thinking ahead to a World Cup. You need people who can score. It's it is like I said, the hardest thing to do in this sport. And we did not look like from from our strikers. I mean, PFOC had a big chance, but it didn't look like we were going to create a real chance with those guys, and that is scary. Now, between that's Christian, been the case for thirteen games, though. Oh, I know, but between you hope that between Weston, Christian, Gio, who looked very good tonight, uh, Wea, Musa, you can you can get scoring elsewhere, but it it really helps to have somebody high up the field who can just pull off a play and bang a goal in.
1: My final thought was going to be about Gio Reyna, who came on as a sub in this game and had a ridiculous run that just kept going.
3: I feel bad that we've taken this long to get to this.
1: Kept going the and highlight going of the game. and going and you're like, what is happening I saw here? someone on
3: Twitter counted eight challenges.
1: And even the, even the Mexico them. fans recognized it. Yeah. That this was a special run and he almost pulled it off and it would have been a freaking all-timer of a goal. If you like, yeah, God, oh, oh like, if you
3: went all the way, I. The if, you, if he merely he assisted, I mean, yeah, if he yeah. merely assisted a goal, that would have been extraordinary. <laughs> but if he went and finished it himself, my God! But I think that's why you, you you see those moments, particularly in person, you go, oh, that's why people are like, he might even be better than Pulisic, or like just an, a talent that like oozes out of the – You would say oozes out of the screen, but oozes out of this thing that's unfolding in front of you. It's like, oh. This dude is incredibly talented, and if it can be harnessed and they can find the right way to coexist with him in Pulisic and he can get involved with the strikers, maybe help solve that problem, but that individual talent is obvious to the eye in that sort of moment.
1: Individual talent, and he's got this whole junkyard dog competitive thing going that he's, yeah. he's got some bite, too. Which yeah, he's
2: got a chip on his shot. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't notice that about him until tonight. Like He was feisty. Yeah.
3: And I like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, He's, like that. I mean, he, every, everyone describes him, Grant. You know better
2: than me that, like, everyone describes him as the most competitive guy in the team. That, like, he That just p- doesn't come off, like, to That doesn't come off to me on TV. And then, yeah. But seeing it in person, I was like, geez. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. I don't know if that comes from his dad or his mom, who was the better soccer player in the family, (laughs) but it comes from somewhere. I mean, he's got a competitive bite. That's really, really good.
1: Well, guys, I just want to say it was an absolute pleasure doing this in person with y'all. U.S. gets a point and is still looking good to qualify for the World Cup. We will do this again virtually, though actually Chris and I will both be in In Orlando Orlando, uh, on Sunday, but looking forward to it.
2: It was great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Grant. Thanks, Linda.